Pastor Appreciation Month is over, but James and Robin, we're honored that you are here with us tonight. So it is First Wednesday, and if this is your first time at being at First Wednesday, it's a little bit of a unique service. It's a little bit longer, so just kind of settle in. But I'm glad you're here. Just welcome. It, it feels a little bit like Sunday, like we sing, but we sing a little bit more, and we do some things on First Wednesday that we don't necessarily do on Sunday morning, like we did a ministry time. We come and, and be prayed over, and... Um, it also gives us creative conversations, an opportunity to, to, to be creative and be unique. If you remember back in the spring, if you were here then, we had some pastor roundtables where we put some elephants in the room and we talked about some theological issues. And we've even done nights of worship for First Wednesday. We just kind of get the rhythm and the flow of what the Spirit would have us to do. But I got to asking some questions about First Wednesday and I kind of got some resounding feedback. And, and this was what I got. They're like, Pastor, we just love when you preach and when you teach, just bring it. It wasn't bring it, it was bring it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, tonight, I'm going to bring it. I'm not going to yell. I'm try not to, you know what I'm saying? And, and tonight, and I was telling Jerry on the way in tonight, I go, I've never preached a message like this. This is a very unique conversation. If you're a note taker, there are no blanks that I have for you to fill in tonight. Just kind of take your own notes. And there may not even be any notes. But you're, just, as I build this conversation, you're going to see I'm setting the stage for what's going to happen over the next few weeks. And tonight gives me a unique opportunity to build the platform for a brand new series that we're going to start on Sunday called The Blessing. Before we spend the next few weeks talking about and defining and learning what God's Word says and learning how to walk in the blessings of God, I think we need to have a clarifying conversation. I think it's sad in the state of the church today in 2020, we have to have clarifying conversations because preaching a series like The Blessing could be potentially controversial. Far too many of us, not far too many, but a lot of us come from churched backgrounds where you grew up in church. And so we hear words and it triggers something. Like there's almost a secret church language that words have a secret meaning. So what I'm going to do tonight, the point of this message, I'm going to ask you to, to get out the eraser and wipe the board clean, and let's just let God's word speak for itself, and not what you heard someone teach, or what book you read, or what blogger said about this, okay? And that's really what I want to do tonight. I want to set the foundation. I wouldn't do this on a Sunday morning, but that's what the point of conversation is tonight. Now, i got to be honest with you, I'm a little bit like Johnny Cash I've been everywhere, man. Like, as a kid, by the time I was 20 years old, I'd moved like 10 times. It was crazy. And I was born and raised in Antlers, down in southeastern Oklahoma Tower. My name used to be on the water tower there in Antlers. Uh, the sheriff called and said I had 30 days to paint over that, right? And then he asked me if I had anything to do with his sister's name and the questioning of her honor being up there, and I told him that had nothing to do with me, right? So... But when I was in Antlers, I was a kid, and we grew up in a little bitty charismatic church. And I have very fond memories of that church. I was saved in that church. Matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I took my kids to Antlers. We were down at my mom's on spring break, and I said, come on, I'm going to take you. And, you know, kids love that. You know, kids, back when I was a kid, there's nothing here, you know, right? There's a house I grew up in, and, you know. And so I took my kids right around Antlers, and, and we, I actually went back to that church. It's called something different now. But out in front of the church, there's this big concrete slab where a double-wide trailer used to sit. And that's where the first church was. It was a little double-wide trailer. And I remember my kids just, you know, we were out and I would just kind of walk in. And, and it was a holy moment for me because I was saved. 
in that double wide trailer. I, I don't know if you've ever done that. And maybe the place where you were saved is a, is a very common place for you. Maybe it's here. I don't know. But for me, I hadn't been there in years. And so I'm, I'm there and it was just, I, I, I mean, I remember getting emotional. I was going, God, thank you. Thank you. Just my spiritual journey had those humble beginnings. I went to Christian school that was there at that church. We wore a tie every day. Not that I'm bitter. I'm okay, right? I was eight years old, and I played the drums in that church. That's how hard up they were for musicians. Can I just tell you, I have never played the drums quietly. That was an issue, right? My mom to this day will talk about her days at Souls Harbor Church, and she gives a lot of credit, credit for her spiritual foundation and formation there. Her faith grew. Her knowledge of the Bible grew. Pastor Norman Schumann, he's gone on to be with the Lord a couple of years ago, but he was my first pastor, and he established in my mind what the honor and the privilege and the responsibility and the calling of what that should look like to be a pastor and how to walk that out. In the mid-80s, we left and we went back more to Baptist life. My parents had both grown up in, in Baptist churches and so we went more in a traditional direction. And that's where my worlds begin to collide. And I had to work through some theological issues and I had to work through some methodology issues about church because when I was a kid, we did everything you know how to do in church and very exciting, high energy environment. And then you go to Baptist churches and it was completely different. And so I just had a lot to wrestle through. And some of you will relate to this. Some of you will even appreciate this. Some of you may not. But today at 46 years of age, I try to approach scripture. I try to approach theology, which is the study of God and his relationship with us, I try to approach that very open-handed. When it's clear, when Scripture is clear, I will be clear. But there are things, and there are times. I'll be honest with you, I'm not real sure what to make of that. And there are folks that adamantly think this about God and his relationship with us, and there are folks that adamantly think the exact opposite about that, about God and his relationship with us. And I'm just bold enough to sometimes look at Scripture and go, I don't know, I'm not real sure. But I think this. 46, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Every time I sit down and open my Bible or I read my Bible, I pray every day, God, teach me something new about you. Take me on a deeper walk with you. As I've aged and as I've matured both mentally and spiritually, some of my theology has changed. It's even seasoned a little bit. And I will say this about our church, Hillspring Church. We are, as many churches in 2020, what I would call a big tent church. Meaning some of you come from a Baptist background. Some of you come from a Methodist background. Some come from a Catholic background. Come, some come from Assembly of God or, or charismatic or non-denominational. And some come from no church background whatsoever. And so when we begin to talk about things like being filled with the Holy Spirit, there are some of you that just hold your breath. <gasps> God, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? Do they have snakes? I know this is country church you know, back in the woods. He, he starts trying to push me over and bring out one of them throwover blankies. I'm not doing it. <laughs> There's some of you like, what are they laughing about? You have no clue absolutely what I'm talking about, right? And then, then I say, if, if I were to go and say, tonight I'm going to talk about the doctrines of grace. I know my wife does. She's like, oh, nap time. Great. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
let's get on Amazon and do some early Christmas shopping, right? But then there's other people in here like, I hope he preaches the truth. I just hope he talks about the five points of Calvinism and that the Armenians are heretics. I just hope he preaches the truth. And then there's some of you like, what's funny? I have no idea what's going on right now. Here's the problem in church today, not just Hillspring, but in the church. It's sad, really, that if I say, hey, I'm going to spend a couple of weeks doing a series on the blessings of God, some people get excited. Oh, man, what am I missing? Because I want to know how to walk and live in the blessings of God. Some people get nervous. Oh, no, our preacher's a kook. He's going to start being on TV. He's going to do crazy things with his hair. You know what I'm saying? And some of you don't even know what to think. For some people, it might trigger something. Like late night TV preacher with bad hairpiece thoughts. You know, I don't know. And so with my background, again, I've been everywhere, man. I try to stay out of ditches. In all the years that God's allowed me to preach and teach, I've always wanted to walk open-handed, scripture, middle of the road, and just stay out of ditches. So Little Souls Harbor Church in Antlers, Oklahoma, we had church three times a week. And it wasn't church unless the service lasted at least two and a half hours. And you do everything that you know how to do. And when you're five and six years old, good Lord, that's a lot. You know what I'm saying? But a little Souls Harbor Church in Antlers, Oklahoma, that we did all that, I saw abuse. It really caused me to question some things that I read in Scripture. There are times that the Spirit of God would be moving. And there are times we as a church, we would practice tongues and interpretation. I have seen hundreds, if not thousands, of moments like that. At times, it was weird. There were other times it was reverent. But because someone sometimes got it wrong doesn't always mean that Scripture's wrong. And there's a tendency, though, when there is abuse, when it comes to things of Scripture, there was something that someone did wrong that we completely go get in the other ditch. I've been in the other ditch too. I've, I've been in churches where we do not, under any circumstances whatsoever, raise your hand. You don't even hold the baby. You know what I'm saying? That is like you will get called to a deacon's meeting. You know what I'm saying? And they're watching at the elbow start swinging. I'm just telling, you know what I'm saying? So I was at a church. I was the youth pastor. And we had our own youth house. And we had a youth worship band. And Wednesday night worship, and of course I come from a worship background, I come from a church that worship was really, really important, and so I was, just, I was just teaching Baptist kids how to worship, and I got cornered one time by a deacon. His direct words, if it's not in the hymnal, you're not singing it. We don't do them Pentecostal songs, okay? That's a ditch. You stay out of the ditches. Ditches only get you muddy and messy, and you do not want to drink the water that's in ditches, I'm just telling you, right? Okay. So when we talk about things, I'm just asking you to, to wipe the whiteboard clean. Regardless of what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've read, let's let scripture over the next few weeks be the scripture. Can we make that deal? Okay, four of us are making that deal. That is awesome. You guys are totally engaged tonight. Woo. James, you should, they are fired up tonight, brother. I'm just telling you. you know. So when I'm talking about walking in the blessings of God, there are people who have gone too far. And there are ministries that have abused scripture that's in the Bible. There are ministries that have taken verses and taken them completely out of context. And of course, they made great personal gain and wealth from it. So the natural response is, 
go to the other ditch where we don't even talk about the blessings of God. Because I don't want to be labeled as one of those. Or I don't want to cross a line. The next few weeks, I'm going to risk it. For your personal growth, for your spiritual growth, for you walking and living in the blessings of God, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just going to risk it. I'm going to say, let's look at God's word. Let's look at what Jesus said. And let's learn how to live in the blessings of God. So tonight's going to be a little bit unique, a little bit of a history lesson. A guy named Essek William Kenyon, or E.W. Kenyon is kind of how he's more popular. He was born in Hadley, New York in 1876. At the age of 17, he was saved at a Methodist prayer meeting and actually for a while became a Methodist minister. But like many young believers early in their faith, he, he kind of had a crisis of faith and he walked away from the church for a couple of years but then he came back to faith in a, in a Baptist church. He eventually pastored a small church in Elmira, New York. No idea where it's at, but it's a fun name to say, right? Elmira, never mind. Eventually, he started his own Bible college, and it moved and merged a couple of times. And he was exposed to a couple of movements of the late 1800s, a couple of movements in his day. But he really began to develop a faith movement. And his faith movement was based on a passage found in Mark chapter 11. And that's, I'm going to dig there for just a second. Let me set the story of what's going on in Mark chapter 11. Jesus and some of his disciples and followers are walking along. And the Bible says they were coming out of the village of Bethany. And it says Jesus was hungry. And he saw a fig tree. And he walked over hoping it might have a fig or have something on it. But all it had was just leaves. Basically, he curses the tree. He says, let no one ever eat from your fruit again. And here's where I want to pick up Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Now, in the morning, like the next day, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So this is, this something miraculously has happened. <gasps> like he spoke to that tree yesterday, it had leaves no figs they come back the next day and like it's a dead tree verse 21 and peter remembering said to him rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed has withered away verse 22 so jesus answered and said to them have faith in god if you want to kill a tree you need to have faith in god right for assuredly i say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, and he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, I say to you, my followers, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Not a single person in this room would argue with this passage it's in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 11. If you're reading an, a Bible, its letters are read because it means it's coming out of the mouth of Jesus. It's the very words of Christ himself. Maybe you've tried it, like when you were young in your faith, like you tried to do the spiritual Jedi thing. Mountain be removed. You know? Okay, the mountain's too big. All right, car be removed. Maybe, you, maybe you've tried that. I don't know. But Jesus here, when you read this story, it's a pretty exciting explanation of hope and faith of the potential of what could be. E.W. Kenyon takes this idea and he turns it into 
of movement. If you're still with me, say amen. Verse 23, when I just read this, I'm sitting here, I'm going to point out the words that they use to create this movement. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says, whoever speaks, okay, I don't have to give a shovel, I just speak to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt. It's really, really important, okay? But believes that the things he says, he speaks, will be done, he will have whatever, Yes. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Says, whatever you speak, make sure you don't doubt, make sure you have big faith. And it's whatever you say again, whatever you speak, whatever you ask for, you're going to have that. That became the foundation of this movement. Another gentleman, very prominent, Tulsa name, most of you in the room may recognize it, a guy by the name of Kenneth Hagin Sr., was born in 1917 in McKinney, Texas. He had a heart issue when he was younger. He actually had died or had a very near-death experience. In that moment, he saw the horrors of hell, and when he came out of that, he gave his life to Jesus. In 1936, he founded his first non-denominational church, preached his first sermon as the pastor of a small community Baptist church in Roland, Texas. Then he pastored in various different other places. Finally, he went on the speaking circuit and teamed up with other prominent evangelists like Oral Roberts that we have a university named after here, a guy named Teal Osborne. And Hagen became known as the granddaddy of the Word of Faith movement. Obviously built a big and successful ministry here in Tulsa, Rama Bible School. There have been thousands of graduates that have graduated from Rama. His son, Kenneth Hagen Jr., still carries on that legacy and pastors the church and oversees all of that. And maybe some of you even here have sat under Pastor Hagen's ministry. Maybe you used to go to camp meeting or whatever. Very prominent ministry here in the Tulsa area, right? If you just Google them, you will find people that hold them in the highest esteem. They've certainly done a lot of ministry around the globe. But you will also find people who think they're going to split hell wide open because they're teaching heresy. Don't Google me, by the way. I have no idea what's out there. Let me be very clear. I'm not here tonight to criticize or throw rocks. The church is too good at doing that to begin with. Christians need to stop. Okay? But I think it's appropriate we have a clarifying conversation. So in short, and I want to use a working definition for the word of faith movement. I know some of you have heard that. Some of you are very familiar with that. Some of you are very nervous right now. Some of you are like excited because teach me. I don't, I don't know, right? And so in short, the word of faith movement, it started in the 1800s by E.W. Kenyon, and then it was really established in the 1950s and 60s by Ken Hagen or Kenneth Hagen, right? And so word of faith, also known word faith or simply just the faith movement, it's a worldwide evangelical Christian movement which teaches that Christians can access the power of faith through speech. I walked you through that in Mark chapter 11. Whatever he says, if you speak into this mountain, be removed. So that's the crux of this, that I'm going to speak in faith and believe that God's going to answer that. Some people call this the power of positive confession. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think there's some good merit to this. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a positive person, Amen. Over and over and over, the, talks, the Bible talks about being full of joy. Like in Nehemiah, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
Proverbs talks about the power of life and death or in what you say, it's in your tongue. You have a choice. There is something to be said about praying and believing in faith that God is going to move that mountain, amen? There's something to be said about God is going to bring a breakthrough that God is going to speak into and God is going to move in my situation. And I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to pray like it's going to happen. And I'm going to believe that God is still in the business of doing miracles, amen? The problem is, when you get in this ditch. And so let me share a ditch with you. I served on the board of directors for a big mission organization where we were taking between 3,500 and 4,000 people a year on short-term mission trips. Many of you have even been on one of those trips. A aviation ministry contacted, or just there was connections made, and they said, hey, we want to provide air service to mission teams which we said, let's talk. And a conversation between the mission entity and the aviation ministry took place in this building. Okay? What I did not realize at the time, the jet airliner they possessed, they only possessed by faith. When they told us they had a jet, they were only speaking in faith. That's an issue. Because contracts had to be executed, teams still had to get to the mission field, and this faith jet cost that mission organization between $650,000 and $700,000, leaving them in a dire financial situation. I'm all about being positive. I'm all about believing God is going to do a miracle. And, and, and there are some of our families in this church right now that desperately need a miracle. And I'm daily speaking and praying in faith that God, the promises of God are yes and amen for those who are in Christ. Amen? But tell me if you actually own the jet. Like, do you have the paperwork? Have you ever been in it? Does it fly? Or are you actually possessing that by faith? That's a ditch. And here's where things get sticky. And here's where I think, and again, I'm, I'm, please, if you hear criticism in this, I'm, like I'm on my knee, I'm, that, is not, that is not my intention tonight at all, at all, at all. This is where things get sticky. And, and I think even the founders of the Word of Faith movement might push on it a little bit. Like even for my theologian in the room, John Calvin would probably push a little bit on where Calvinism has come to, Okay. So this is where Word of Faith gets sticky. The Word of Faith movement renounces poverty and physical suffering as either necessary to a godly life or glorifying Christ Jesus. Here's the problem. Scripture says that's going to happen. The disciples suffered for the gospel. Paul, the apostle, suffered for the gospel. It teaches that the salvation won by Jesus on the cross included wealth and prosperity for believers. That's a difference. That's one bridge too far. I, and maybe some of you come out of the word of faith and you know this better than I do. I've just researched for three days, prepared for this moment. Nowhere in scripture can I find anywhere where Jesus died on the cross to save me anything from the power of sin, death, and hell. And just like the faith-based passenger jet to haul mission teams, right? People have taken the idea that I can have life and have it abundantly, and they've turned it into a ditch. 
and it's been abused. And some people have responded incorrectly. Oh, we're not ever going to talk about the blessings of God because that guy that comes on at 1130 on blah, 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 he's in a ditch. Okay? Question we all have to answer, if Jesus never did anything but save you, is that enough? If Jesus never answered another prayer request for you, is that enough? I don't know why God says yes to some prayers and why he says no to others. But I still pray and I believe in the earnest faith with all I can muster. So here's, here's some of the challenges to the word of faith, okay? There are those who, and maybe not all, but there are those who turn the message of God's grace into a means of wealth and prosperity. And, and then, when I pray in faith, and I confess in faith, whether praying for healing or a crisis or God to heal your marriage or whatever, and I buy into the whole system, like I'm speaking jet airliners into existence that I, I don't have them, right? And then God says no, and I don't get my answer. For many, that turned quickly into resentment towards God. And all of a sudden, your mind can go, I'm not good enough, or I didn't do it right, or maybe God doesn't love me. And there's, there's just been a lot of abuse in the faith movement. There's been scandals exposed from guys who were faith healers that had a very intricate system. When people would come into their faith meetings, people would be out in the lobby just greeting them. Oh, what are you here praying for? Oh, what's your name? Where are you from? Oh, you're Dave from Kansas. Here for your knee. That's great. Dave, I'm glad you're here. All right. We've got Dave from Kansas. He's on the third row on the left side. You know what I'm saying? This was a whole big expose back in the 80s and 90s. And so there were scandals exposed. There was financial mismanagement issues. And this has all been damaging to the church, not the gospel. The gospel can sustain as powerful enough, strong enough. But every time a prominent pastor falls, my heart just grieves because of the damage that it's done to the church. But again, I want to be careful not to come across as a critic. I'm just saying these are challenges. But you also have to give credit where credit is due. And one of the things that the Word of Faith message has done is I'll tell you what, it will push you to grow your faith. It will push you to stretch your faith and believe God for really big things. It does speak of hope and faith that God really can do the impossible. Jesus did say, if you'll speak to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, you can move it. So this is what I know. I know God loves his kids. In the day that Landon Kellogg was born, I gained a whole new insight into our relationship with God, our Father. As a dad, I want my children, they're going to argue with this, but I want my children to have the best that I can afford to give them. I want them to have things that are healthy for them and things that are good for them to have. I want my kids to live life to the fullest, and I want them to enjoy every day. I want my children to grow and mature and be responsible. I don't want them to ever take anything for granted. I want them to be grateful people. I want them to be generous people. And there are fake news, rumors going around that sometimes I act like a grumpy old coot. Where are you going tonight? Well, do you need money? Well, I guess I'm just a walking ATM. Kind of a favorite line around my house. I need two people in the room to cover your ears, right? My kids. But listen, 
the feeling of being able to open my wallet, give my child what they need. As a dad, I love to do that. Parents, don't you love to do that? Don't you love to bless your kids? And the day my first son was born, and then my daughter was born, I gained a new insight to what it's like for a heavenly father to look down and go, Brent, I want the best for you. I want what's healthy for you. I want what's good for you. I'm going to close some doors that you think ought to open. I'm going to say no to some things because if you get that, you're going to be a big old hot mess. I'm going to push you into some tense situations only to grow your faith, to grow your anointing, to grow your ability to lead and teach people. But I believe with all my heart, God, as my heavenly father, my heavenly parent, he wants good and righteous and healthy and happy things for me. Fully convinced God wants to bless his children. He wants us to grow and mature and be responsible. He doesn't want us to be selfish and stingy and judgy. I don't think there's a magic formula to wealth and prosperity. I don't. If I own a jet, I'll be honest with you. I do possess it or I don't. Right now, I ain't got no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't no jet. Mm -mm. But I also know that God's ways work. And what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to dig into the promises of God's word. And if I will let God's word become alive in my life, if I will live my life according to his statutes, to his word, to his ways, I believe with all my heart you will live a truly blessed life walking in the blessings. And that's where we're going to spend our time over the next few weeks. Are you excited about it? I want you to be people of strong I want to be a church where miracles happen. I want to be a church where people come and, and their life is it's rough and tough and their situation is bad and they come here and, and we have moments like this ministry time and God begins to move. I want some prayer warriors at Hillspring Church to begin to move the foundations of heaven because we know how to be a praying people. I believe God's still moving mountains. I want to be a church that is just full of the life and the spirit of God, but I want to walk and talk about living in the balance of God's blessings. So that's what's coming. We're going to talk about the blessing of unity. We're going to talk about the blessing of focus. We're going to talk about the blessing of generosity. We're going to talk about overcoming things that are real called curses and generational curses. And I believe that we as a church Staying out of ditches, walking according to God's word. Man, I believe we're going to grow in this and learn how to live the true biblical blessed life. If you're with me, say amen. God, I love you and I come before you tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would use this church. Lord, I'm not praying right now for prosperity and wealth. If you want to send it, I'm fine with it, Lord. But I'm praying, God, that we would know how to be a people that walk in the blessing and the protection and the fullness of joy that's found in your word and in your promises and in your scripture. And Lord, as we step into topics like this, it's easy to throw rocks and easy for people to get nervous. So tonight, just in the faith, God, we're going to wipe the board clean. And we're going to let the words of Jesus and the words of Paul and the words of the Holy Scriptures speak to us. God, because this is what I know about the people of Hillsborough. God, we want all that you have for us. We want to walk in the fullness and the blessings of your promises.
And I believe the promises of God are yea and amen for those who are in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says amen.